bridge Let's travel the world together She can make it easy and in any kind of weather No TSA, no bad checks, no patting down She's talking from the skies and sending lots of feel-good sounds Oh, Betty, in the sky, have you heard her yet? She loves traveling, there's no doubt Betty and the Jets Oh, she's weird and wonderful Oh, Betty, she's a podcast queen She's wearing high heel shoes Got her wings on too You know I've never seen a better stew Oh, Betty and the Jets Hello and welcome to Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I'm Betty. I'm a flight attendant for a major airline, and I bring you stories from the airplane, from the flight attendants and the pilots, and from traveling around the world. In this episode, we have quite a few uplifting stories. We have some latch mishaps. That's hard to say. Latch mishaps. Cats, monkeys, uniforms, dumpsters, and Jesus. Let's get on with the show. So this comes from a listener named Jessie, and uh, she wrote, Dear Betty, I love listening to you. I live in the UK near where Shakespeare was born. I don't drive, so I walk a lot and use public transportation. I do end up giggling along with the podcast. I've had some funny looks, but right on to my story. This is from 25 years ago when our family was moving to the UK from Toronto. We were sitting next to the galley area and we had been chatting with one of the stewardesses who was in the seat next to us during takeoff. On landing though, the disposable cups that were in the wall dispenser came showering down onto her. You would think they would come out all as one big lump, but nope. They kept flying out one after another. Pow, pow, pow. There was nothing she could do but laugh and block the cups firing at her from the wall with her karate blocks, (laughs) which had our family in giggles. So, Jessie, thank you for sending me the story, and it made me think of... uh, quite a few things. Uh, I don't think passengers really think about uh, stuff coming out on takeoff and landing or don't think about how many latches are in a galley. I mean, there's sometimes over a hundred latches in a galley and you can think you looked at all of them and then somebody else would come back and double check all of them and then you're sitting there strapped in and you can see it and you're like, oh no, oh no. Uh, one time on the L-1011, we had this cupboard in the three doors that, um, it's where they had all the sodas and somebody didn't latch one of those soda compartments. So on landing, the sodas started rolling up the aisle and one of them got punctured. I think it was a Sprite. And as it rolled, it just sprayed all the passengers. They're like, ah, ah, ah. You don't, you don't expect a rolling Sprite cannon. But um, another time, the main thing, you don't want anybody to get hurt, right? You don't want a cart coming out. So lots of times it's not actually anything dangerous. It's just kind of a pain in the tuchus to clean it all up. I was sitting at the two doors on the 7-6. And in the back, we were on landing and I heard stuff. And the girl I was on the jump seat with heard stuff. And we were like, ooh, that didn't sound good in the back. So when we had a chance, we went back there, and um, the carts have a latch, and the, the, the cart was latched so that it wouldn't come out, but the door to the cart was not latched, so they had three doors, so not one, not 
two, but three meal carts, dirty, mind you, meal carts. The doors came open and all the trays with all the dirty food all over the galley. It was like three feet of debris that we all had to just get down there and clean up all that crap. But the the, the most disconcerting of the latch mishaps, there's a, there's a term, latch mishaps, is that um, the oven. Uh, I don't know if you've ever thought about an oven or what an oven's like on an airplane. You probably haven't, because why would you? Uh, so an oven on an airplane, once you open the doors, the caterers come on and there's like an insert that goes in and then you have trays, right? And then you have the food on the trays. So um, I even had an oven. So like on takeoff, sometimes the ovens are, you know, on the wall by the pilots. And so I've had ovens that were latched. Sometimes that latch can go, it can unlatch itself. I know, you know, like on a bump or something, you can watch it unlatch itself. Doesn't happen that often. But uh, so I can't, uh, I probably shouldn't say how many times I've had ovens come out over the years, but <laughs> it's a terrible feeling. A terrible feeling, especially if it's on takeoff, because that food uh, obviously is unusable. But okay, so here's what happens. Uh, picture this, you're on the jump seat, you're rolling down the runway, you, you start to lift off, and you see that the ovens unlatch. And the horror sets in to you and your flying partner. And you're like, Oh, no, oh, no, Oh, no, maybe the whole thing won't come out. Maybe the whole thing won't come out. But what happens is the trays start to come out. Ching, 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 because it's loud, you know, against metal, against metal. Ching, 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 ching. But what you don't want is the boom. (laughs) Because sometimes after all the trays, ching, 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 the whole insert, the big metal insert that the trays go on comes out. Boom. (laughs) Actually, there was a flight attendant, and he was so worried he was going to get fired because uh, they were taking off. Were they taking off or landing? Mm, landing. Must have been landing because the ovens were on the uh, back side of the galley, so opposite of the cockpit door, right? So they're landing. And uh, see, the thing is, too, here's, there's so many factors here. You can check. Say you're the one that's checking. You can check all the latches. Somebody you don't notice comes in, you know, maybe wants a croissant before landing. They don't latch it. So you had checked, but now it's not latched. So this poor guy, what happened was... Uh, they're landing and the latch isn't done. So here you got ching, 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 boom. The pilots thought it was like a um, um, terrorist or something. So the pilots freaked out and uh, he got in trouble. So luckily <laughs> I haven't had a pilot freak out. Ching, 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 boom. But I hate when the oven comes out. So, you know, I sold my place and I have my offer in my new place and uh, heading towards the closing on both of them on the same day. So it's a lot going on. And uh, strangely enough, I've made a lot more friends during this stay at home uh, pandemic thing that uh going to miss some people around here. But anyway, uh, I was at the pool talking to one of the neighbors and she was like, what are you going to miss about this place? And I'm like, oh, you know, there's there's some things I'm going to miss. I'm really going to miss my view. Um, I'm going to miss some of the neighbors, especially one. Uh, but uh, 
I'm also going to miss the cat. Now, I had talked to this woman about my rent-a-cat before, so I thought she knew what I was talking about. I My neighbor's cats come to visit, so um, I've enjoyed them, They and it's well, the one's been coming like for a year and a half now. So I consider it my cat, but it's not my cat, you know. So uh, when she said, what are you going to miss? And I said, well, I'm going to miss the cat. And she gave me this look, like kind of like a, her mouth dropped. She's kind of like judgmental, like dismissive and slightly appalled. <laughs> and she said, you're abandoning your cat? And I'm like, no, because it's not my cat. It's my neighbor's cat. If I took the cat, I think it would be considered cat theft. <laughs> um, but I'm going to miss the cat. So uh, those same neighbors, uh, they were like, "What?" Are you? I was leaving, you know, like, have a good day. And they're like, what are you, what are you doing the rest of the day? And I'm like, oh, I got to um, record an audio book in the closet, which I had talked to them about before. And, and I said, you know, it's really hard. You don't think it's so hard, but it's really hard. And they're like, what's so hard about it? I'm like, well, you're trying to use the right inflections and stuff. And I have a real hard time with the male voices. Like, I kind of feel like I have to differentiate between the female and the male. And it's kind of hard to talk like a man, especially to try to, and I really can't do it. I'm not that talented to make different male voices. And I'm not even, not even that convincing in the male voice, but I told them and they thought it was interesting. So I thought you might think it's interesting. But I said, what I do in the closet is when I'm going to start something, uh, a guy is saying, I go, <laughs> I try to do a, <laughs> to get into that, that tone to try to sound like a male voice. <laughs> So uh, I think in the last podcast, I was mentioning how I love an experiment. <laughs> I think I was experimenting with a green leg mask. But anyway, just I just like that kind of stuff. But I also really love a mystery. And there just aren't that many mysteries, you know, in everyday life, especially in a pandemic when you're mainly staying home. But uh, I had a doctor's appointment. Uh, I can get into that later. But uh in the morning and it's raining outside and I've got an umbrella and I get to the doctor's appointment and I'm about to go in and I my car look in my car and on my car antenna I was like huh there was a monkey hanging there a monkey a stuffed monkey looked like it was a new stuffed monkey hanging on my back antenna that's above my back windshield uh and I'm like there's a monkey on my car. Like, who put a monkey on my car? And I was surprised it hadn't fallen off on the way to the doctor's office. And I was like, who would put a monkey on my car? Now, I have a basically a public parking lot that I park in. So I was like, most likely is a random person. Maybe there was a monkey on the ground and they decided to put on a car and they picked my car. Seemed odd. Uh, and I really like monkeys. But I was trying to think like in the area or in my complex, if anybody would know that I really like monkeys and that knew what car I drove, uh, it seemed odd. So just because I like a mystery, I was just asking people like at the pool, I'd be like, uh, I have a weird question. And they're like, okay. I'm like, did you put a monkey on my car? <laughs> just a question I've never asked before. Did you put a monkey on my car? And, uh, 
they're like, no. So somebody else, I was like, um, and I, this person I knew knew what car I had. I was like, by chance, did you put a monkey on my car? And she's like, no, why would I put a monkey on your car? I'm like, I know, I didn't think it was you. <laughs> but guess what? It's been a while now, and alas, I think it's going to have to remain a mystery because I do not know who put that cute monkey on my car. This next segment came from a listener named Jeanette from Toronto, and it's this great video she sent me, and uh, I think it's worth watching. I'll put a link uh, in the show notes. It's called Come Fly With Me, 100 Years of Flight Attendant Fashion, and a lot of it's really interesting. I'm not going to put it's like a 30-minute video, so I have a few clips here, and I'm going to do it in like three segments throughout the podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Ultimate Fashion History with me, Amanda Halley. Come fly with me, a hundred years of flight attendant fashion. And I also want to send out a very special thank you to a gentleman called Cliff Muskiet. Cliff, a flight attendant himself, has, I believe, the largest collection of cabin crew uniforms in the world and a wonderful website to go with it. And he's kindly let me use many of his pictures for this episode. I will leave a link to his website, Uniform Freak, in the description area of this video. You will love it. At its first female flight attendant. Here she is. She is called Ellen Church. Ellen was a nurse and was employed because she was a nurse. The idea being that nurses would not only be useful if a plane should crash, but because they would have a calming and reassuring effect on passengers. This was truly a new career for women. You know, I was saying I like a mystery, and um, how that all started was, um, I like marshmallows, always have, love, like a chocolate-covered marshmallow. I love those cheap, strangely colored marshmallow chicks at Easter time. You know, they're covered in sugar. They're terrible for you. I try not to eat them anymore, but uh, when I used to eat sugar, I was kind of a sugar fiend. Man, I love those those like yellow or pink or blue uh, marshmallow covered in sugar Easter chicks. So anyway, um, I didn't know who all I had mentioned that to. You know, it's kind of a strange thing to come up in conversation. And uh, for years after Easter, I would get marshmallow chicks in my mailbox, my flight attendant mailbox at work. It's kind of like a file folder you had. It's like the mailbox. Um, so anyway, uh, I'd be like, that's so nice. No note, nothing, just marshmallow chicks. But here's the thing. Not only did someone go to the trouble to buy me marshmallow chicks, but I realized that they must have remembered that I said, I like them stale. <laughs> I like stale <laughs> marshmallow chicks. <laughs> they get a little crunchy on the outside. So this person I didn't know if it was a man or a woman who would puncture the the chick box. <laughs> chick box sounds bad. Before they put it in my mailbox. So somebody was so thoughtful that they were giving me what I like, stale marshmallow chicks every year at Easter. And this went on for years and years and years. I didn't know if it was man. I didn't know if it was a woman. I didn't know if it was a secret admirer. I didn't know 
if it was just somebody being sweet, which is really sweet. Um, and I don't know how many years it was later, a flight attendant said to me, I was flying with, we flown together a bunch, but we weren't like particularly friends or anything. She said, uh, uh, how do you like those marshmallow chicks I always give you? And I was like, oh, it's you. <laughs> I said, I didn't know who it was. She goes, I know you didn't know who it was. It was fun. Because <laughs> I had asked some people like, hey, are you putting marshmallow chicks in my box? Hey, are you putting chicks in my box? <laughs> so she finally told me and it was great to have the mystery solved. So then I decided to like pay that forward with somebody else again, over years. Uh, I really do love a mystery. So this flight attendant, uh, she kind of supports her whole family, her husband and two kids. And so money's always tight. And uh, I really like her. She's very organized. She's really smart, like whip smart. Uh, we always liked flying together. And um, she was collecting, I don't know if they still do it. I think maybe they still do, but Coke and Diet Coke caps on plastic bottles. If you collect the caps, you put in the code and you get points. And after so many points, you get something. And I can't to collect a lot of, excuse me, effing caps to get anything. Uh, and this isn't, we don't have these on the plane. She's collecting them from the passenger's trash uh, to get the points, to get stuff for her kids. So I started collecting these caps for her and I would put them in her mailbox, but I wouldn't just put them in her mailbox like in a plastic bag. I would take, um, you probably, it would have no reason to notice, but when the meal cards and beverage cards come on the airplane, there's a piece of paper on there that says like the flight number where it's going to and from, and it's on there with like a piece of tape. And so I would take that piece of paper and I would make a drawing out of these bottle caps like a snowman like a flower <laughs> and I put them in her mailbox forever for years I collected these caps and I put them in her mailbox and I knew that she'd be wondering who's putting these caps in my mailbox and I knew she was whip smart so I would not use <laughs> a piece of paper from the beverage cart that was from my flight. I would use the one like we got on the plane before it was catered so I wouldn't be on because you could pull up who was on that flight. So she would pull it up and it'd be like a Boston crew, you know. So <laughs> so I'm on the beverage cart one day with her and we're doing beverages and she just went, <gasps> and I was like, what? She goes, it's you. You're the one that's been putting the caps in my box for years. <laughs> I was like, yeah. It's me. Mystery solved. And uh, this is what's so sweet. So I get this photograph later that she took. Her daughter had kept all those drawings from the bottle caps. And she had a picture of her daughter and she had them like all over the living room, like picture after picture after picture. And I was like, oh, so sweet. In case you didn't see it on social media, my book is out. My book is out. My book is out. <laughs> the Tar Pack, uh, book four in the Tar Collection, A Power Trip Through Ecuador and Laos, is out. Uh, I've had a productive pandemic. I don't know if those words really go together, but uh, if anybody wants to know, like when I go back to work, which should be soon, they're going to be like, so what'd you do? And I'm going to be, well, I got a book out recorded and edited an audiobook and that is not out it's done 
but it takes sometimes it can take a few weeks, even up to a month, depending on how busy they are to get the audiobook out. So I'll probably tell you the next episode if the audiobook is out, but it's coming. It's in the works, but it's done. So I got a book out. I recorded and edited an audiobook. I that was like a gurgle. <laughs> I got um, my place ready to sell. And man, that was a big job. Lots of painting, polishing, sorting, cleaning, uh, listed my place, sold my place, bought another place, and hopefully we'll have moved <laughs> during the pandemic. It's a pretty darn productive pandemic. comes from a listener named Janet from Florida. Back in the day, when people used to dress up to fly airplanes, I I still like to dress up to fly airplanes, uh, my dad used to take business trips about three times a year. I have five sisters, six girls in total in the family, so buying gifts to take home for all of us was really not a good option economically or logistically. I'm not sure how the idea started, but we all enjoyed the idea of getting empty little liquor bottles. Back in the day, they were made of glass and wanted to have collections as many types as possible. At first, my dad would bring home just the ones he had bought. But over time, he got used to asking folks around him if they would quote unquote, donate their empty liquor bottles to bring home to us. On one particular flight, he had a lot of folks wanting to donate and ended up with like two vomit bags to store them in so he could easily carry them off the plane and home. As he was getting off the plane, a flight attendant saw him coming down the aisle with two partially filled vomit bags and asked, can I take them for you, sir? Without even thinking, he replied, no, that's okay. I'm taking these home to my kids. Only after leaving the plane did he realize what she must have thought about his response. Uh, One of the things I liked about that story is... um, I like the little mini bottles. I don't do anything with them, but I saw this flight and she had pictures of she, we're not allowed to take stuff off the plane. You know, it's uh, pilfering, <laughs> even if it's trash. So like, you don't really take anything. And uh, she had this great idea or interesting idea or creative idea to make wind chimes out of the little uh, mini liquor bottles. Uh, she'd take the glass ones, not the plastic ones, and she'd put them in a kiln. And they would kind of like shrink down like the Wicked Witch of the West. <laughs> and then she would use beads and these little melt, sort of melted, but you could still see what they were. She actually asked the president of the airline when she ran into him at a function if it was okay if she took the empty little liquor bottles, you know, like she didn't want to be accused of stealing, but she showed him a picture of the, of the pretty, sorry, wind chime liquor bottles. And he was like, it's okay by me. Refueling and plane maintenance, which led to further confusion as to what she should wear. Not a nurse, nor an engineer, What should she wear? Here is an idea favoured by many airlines. Let her wear her own clothes. I am absolutely confident that this dress comes from this flight attendant's own wardrobe. And look at her there, pouring a martini for the pilot. Wait, what? Pouring a martini for the pilot? 
a rickety 1930s passenger plane with a buzzed pilot, bring back the nurses. But there were a few really notable exceptions. For example, Hollywood designer Howard Greer's 1944 uniform for TWA. It was called the cutout and it featured something called a blouse slip a sort of elasticated blouse you can make it out there in navy blue that was actually attached to the skirt so that cabin crew weren't forever tucking their blouses into their skirts after reaching into overhead bins and it was called the cutout because of a very clever feature that speaks to the image of a flight attendant or stewardess or hostess, as they were called back then, being a perfect representation of her airline. See that beautifully stylized TWA logo just below the shoulder? Well, on the shoulder, there's a button-down flap which the flight attendant could unbutton and rebutton to conceal the TWA logo. Like this. How clever. Why would she want to do this? Because cabin crew were not allowed to drink or smoke in uniform. So on a layover, if she wanted to go on a boozing, chain-smoking bender, she could cover the TWA logo and be left with a chic Howard Greer suit. And here are two 1940s flight attendants wearing this suit. Don't they look great? thank any of you who were so, so kind when you were going to buy something on Amazon and you got lots of time to do it. <laughs> you went to my website, BettyInTheSky.com, clicked on any of the links. It doesn't cost you anymore. It supports the show. And I like to see what people buy. And uh, somebody bought the Elephant Whisperer, My Life with the Herd in the African Wild. Sounds good. Uh, another person bought Psychics, Healers, and mediums, a journalist, a road trip, and voices from the other side. Oh, some of these are good titles. And then somebody, and that somebody was me. I clicked through my own link. That's terrible, isn't it? I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's wrong. <laughs> but I did. And it's funny because I was like, I looked to see what people buy. And I was like, look, somebody bought those hedgehog dryer balls. And then I was thinking, oh, I bought those. I like them so much, I bought them for a gift basket. And if you ever want to see some of the products I like, I have my own Amazon page. You go to Amazon.com slash shop slash SkyBetty. Amazon.com slash shop slash SkyBetty. And the hedgehogs are there. This next story comes from a listener named Doug. He was the one who put a compilation together of um, what he called Betty sounds, <laughs> sounds that I make on the podcast. So after his story that he sent me, I replay his Betty sound compilation. So he wrote, I'm a Jewish believer in Jesus, and I travel around the country teaching churches about the Jewishness of Jesus. Several years ago, I was booked on a flight that had been delayed. It was a full flight, so there were many passengers in the gate area. Sitting right next to me was an older woman, like a grandmother type, who was what I like to call a loud talker. She seemed rather frazzled, and I tried to explain the situation to her about the delay, and there was nothing to worry about. She asked about my work, and I told her what I do for a living, traveling and such. 
After several minutes of conversation, she asked if she could borrow my phone to make a call since the flight was delayed. So, of course, I obliged and dialed the number for her and handed her the phone. As a loud talker, she spoke on the phone not realizing or not caring that everyone around her could hear her entire conversation. Then in her loud, gruff voice, she says, Yes, the flight is delayed, but I'm going to be okay. I have Jesus sitting right here next to me. <laughs> oh, you really, 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 really want to pee. I was thinking, oh, no. Sure enough, oh, oh my gosh. So, And said, I'm Herman. Ah! And I was like, hmm? And I was like, oh? And then I look in the mirror and, oh! I was like, all right, you know, ding dong. And, and, oh, you really, 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 really want to pee. Have to look like this. TWA says they can look like girls. Girls more like birds, British birds skipping down Carnaby Street. The 60s had arrived, and with it, new airlines and huge competition, a competition that had cabin crew as the focus, who could be the modest, the hippest, the youngest, the grooviest. The youth quake had happened, and airlines seized upon it. Gone was the idea of prim and poised in-flight mothers, in its place cool and kicky girls who embraced the spirit of the times. For the most part, gone were the suits in their place, the British Invasion mini dress that borrowed almost directly from the Mary Quant originals. The shorter the skirt, the hipper the airline, but gone were those standard blues and greys, and in their place a myriad of bright, young, popping colours. And all this went with a more relaxed approach to air travel, still expensive. It was increasingly sold as being fun and less formal. The stew, as she was then known, your personal ambassador to the new generation of swinging independent career girls. And into a world of youth fashion, and nobody, and I mean nobody, embraced this idea better than Braniff and... Emilio Pucci and his cornucopia of candy-colored collections for the airline. He designed for Branagh for about 10 years, and his vision went from these cool carnaby confections to psychedelic wonders such as these. Perhaps his most famous piece of kit being the sky bubble helmet to protect a flight attendant's quaff on the runway. Here's one in real life, and I was relieved to see that it seems to be made of quite a malleable and soft plastic. And look, here's Barbie wearing hers. So that I always liked of all the past flight attendant uniforms. I love that space bubble helmet. I mean, it's just like so distinctive and so 60s. Or was it the 70s? I don't know. But it's like so of the time. And actually, it would, it, we could use a comeback of the space bubble helmet because when I go back to work, I'm going to not only have to wear a mask, I'm going to have to wear eye protection. It's going to be very unattractive. So I think um, that sky bubble space helmet is actually more attractive. And I think it's, 
it's pretty good for the coronavirus. The one, the original one, had a little um, opening in the front. But you could probably put that in the back, and then your your eyes are covered, your nose is covered, your mouth's covered, and it kind of like is snug around your neck. I think it's coronavirus friendly. So I was recycling, you know, one of the many exciting things I do these days, <laughs> instead of traveling the world, going to the grocery store and doing my recycling. And um, they're particular here about the recycling. They don't want you to, like, say you have a plastic bag full of plastics to recycle. They don't want you to put the plastic bag in with the plastics. They want you to put the plastic bags in a different bin. So I'm at the giant dumpster full of plastic. And because of the pandemic, and I'm trying not to touch stuff, I'm trying to empty my plastic bag full of plastic into the dumpster, dumpster, dumpster without touching anything. And I hear a clunk. I dropped my car key in the dumpster. I dropped my car key in the giant dumpster. My heart just went. <gasps> so I thought, well, maybe it caught on something. Uh, so it didn't go all the way down. So I'm like pulling out. So I didn't want to touch anything. Now I'm touching everybody's trash. Um, I'm like, maybe some people weren't listening and following the rules and had bags. So I'm like picking up their bags, seeing if there's a key in it. But I'm like, I don't think it stopped because I heard a clunk. Like if it had hit plastic, it wouldn't have clunked like it did on metal hitting metal of the bottom of the dumpster clunk. <sighs> okay, so here comes a guy with like a rolling, his own rolling dumpster full of plastic. Like he is going to fill up this giant dumpster with more plastic, which is makes going to make it harder for me to find my key. And I said, hey, can you not put all that in here? Because I just dropped my car key in there. So I'm going to go try to find someone who works here. Maybe they have a broom. Maybe I can move stuff. And uh, he's like, well, what kind of how many keys? I'm like, it's one key. And it went straight down and I heard a clunk. And um, luckily, he's not putting his giant amount of plastic on top because I thought it's going to make it much harder if it's full because right now the, the that portion of the dumpster is a little over half full. So I go get a guy and he's I'm like, do you work here? And he's like, yeah. And I said, I dropped my car key in the in the dumpster. And he goes, people are always dropping stuff in there. People drop wedding bands. And I was like, oh, all right. Well, I dropped my car key. And uh, I'm like, do you have a broom? He's like, I have a broom. And so now I go back. And now this stranger, the one with the <clears throat> his own plastic dumpster full of stuff, he is now climbed up into the entrance of the dumpster and is moving stuff trying to find my key. How nice is that? He doesn't know me. I don't know him. He, in a pandemic, no less, when you shouldn't be touching stuff, is sort of climbing into, leaning into a dumpster looking for my key. Oh, so sweet. Um, but he said, I can't get it to it because every time I move a bunch of the plastics, I'm more come down in. So it's like, I need something to move them back so that I can get to the bottom. And so then I'm going to look for something to move plastic. And I'm running around. It's hot. I got my mask on. <laughs> I was thinking I could call AAA, but my phone is 
in my car and my car key is at the bottom of a dumpster. And I've got a dress on, a skirt and shirt, a dress. And I was thinking to myself, I'm going to have to climb in that dumpster in a dress and just literally swim through the plastic to find my key. Like like a kid in a bouncy castle full of those balls, but this is people's dirty garbage. But I really don't, th I'm not envisioning any choice but to get in the dumpster in a dress. And so I get back, I don't see the guy, which I thought, well, it makes perfect sense. You know, you know, he doesn't need to keep helping me. I don't know him, he doesn't know me. He had gotten into the dumpster for me and waded through the plastic, comes up like he had just been swimming in trash in a pandemic and goes, here's your key. Ah, I couldn't believe it. <laughs> like, you don't run into heroes that much these days. That was so nice. And I was like, oh, I had to give you something. I went to my car. Um, I need to, made a mental note and wrote it down. I need to keep more cash in my car because, you know, you don't keep that much cash. I had some, not enough for him going in the dumpster. And I was like, thank you. Thank you. You know, oh my gosh. I There's good people in the world. There was a lady, she was like smiling at how nice he was to go dumpster diving for a stranger. Uh, it was just so nice. And it also shows you, and I say it often that, you know, there are so many nice people in the world. Like sometimes we focus on the 0.1% that's bad when the 99.9% .9 is so good. That's about it for this episode of Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I hope you'll join me again next time uh, so we can travel around the world together. I'm hoping by the next episode I will have gone somewhere. <laughs> Thanks. Bye. When you make decisions for your company, you always look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing and shipping to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your process to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, books, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart if you sell online. Schedule package pickups through the dashboard and automatically see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers, with rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are, even on the go. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other business decision makers with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com, code PROGRAM.